Good morning. Good morning in the fellowship hall. And good morning if you're joining us online. Kind of fun to say. So turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. This is the second part of the message that I started a little bit ago in Proverbs. Um, But just want to say that if you um, are looking to read through your Bible or if you have trouble um, with what to read every day, um, we're in the middle of this great um, project uh, called the Daily Bible Reading. Um, And we're in the middle of a series where we're just going to be going through that Daily Bible Reading and hitting highlights each week on the things you may have read or may be about to read. Um, And that's what our sermons are about. And today's sermon falls uh, within the Daily Bible Reading from this past week. Um, you would have read Acts, um, the first couple chapters of Acts, and Acts 3 and 4 are in there. And that's what we're going to um, focus on today is Acts 3 and 4 as the second part of our graduate charge this morning. So earlier I said um, to think of, of, uh, of the Word of God, uh, to think of ourselves as sponges and that we need to saturate ourselves in the Word of God. And graduates, you need to saturate your mind and your heart in God's word, like a sponge. Um, A sponge is not really useful dry, so it's important to get it wet. But a sponge is still not useful if you get it wet and you do nothing else with it. So it's great to saturate yourself in the word of God, but if it stays within you and you don't do anything else with it, uh, you are missing half of the point. You are not doing what a sponge was created for. Because a sponge is created to get wet, and then it's created to be used to clean something off, to help change something, to take something from being one way to another way. And the word of God in our life is supposed to do that. And we are supposed to be sponges that saturate ourselves in the truth of God. And then we take that out and we share it with other people. And that's the second part of what I want to talk about today. So as you graduate or have graduated and as you are taking your next step, whatever it may be, um, the most good you can do for this world, the most impact you can have in this life, the best thing you could possibly do is to saturate your mind in the word of God and to share that with other people. And that's exactly what we see happen in Acts 3 and 4. The church is brand new, and Jesus has gone back to heaven after he was resurrected, And he has sent his disciples out, who are now the apostles, to go and to share the gospel. Now, we're going to talk about Peter and John. And you might be thinking, oh, I'll never be like Peter and John. And we might never be exactly like them. But it doesn't matter where you are um, in your faith. It doesn't matter if you are considered an apostle or not. What you You can do the exact same thing that John and Peter do on this day that we find them in Acts chapter 3. So um, what we're going to look at is this idea of gospel living. Live your life through the gospel, with the gospel, by the gospel, and your life will have counted for the most important thing. If you ever, it, it would be more important than if you found a cure for cancer, or if you were able to end racism in this country, or if you were able to prevent the next pandemic from ever happening, or whatever you can think of that would be the greatest thing, if you are living the gospel of Jesus Christ and sharing that with others, then you are doing more than you could in those other things. And that's what God asks each and every one of his servants to do. 
So let me explain what I mean by gospel living real quick, then we'll dive into the passage. But gospel living is this. First, it's belief in the gospel. And I read earlier in Ephesians what the gospel is. It's the good news that your sins have been taken care of by the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. And you have to start there. You have to accept that. You have to accept Jesus' free gift of his righteousness in exchange for your sin. So that instead of being an enemy of God, you're a son or a daughter of God. Now, who wouldn't want to be in the family of God? Would anybody want to be his enemy? If you truly know what he's capable of, I don't think you'd want that. So that's the first part of this, of gospel living, is knowing the gospel and accepting it. And then you have to let that belief influence every area of your life, everything you think, say, and do. Everything you think, say, and do in front of others and everything you think, say, and do by yourself. Gospel living is doing all of that through the lens of the gospel. How will it honor Christ, who gave his life for me. Now, I want to show you the power that is, uh, is found in gospel living, and, and that's from Acts chapter 3. So uh, turn there if you haven't yet in Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. We're going to just look at a couple of different sections through this chapter and chapter 4, but it's so amazing what can be accomplished when you've saturated yourself in the Word of God and you live your life for the gospel, no matter what you choose to do with your life. If you do those two things, then you can have the greatest impact on this world that can possibly be. Uh, so it starts out this way in the beginning of chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, and we're not going to read it, but later on you find out that he's been lame or crippled. He cannot walk for f- over 40 years. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms for those from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. So Peter and John are on their way to church. They're on their way to prayer meeting. And um, I don't know what they were thinking, um, but maybe they were just going to uh, have enjoy some great fellowship with other Christians. Um, I don't know if they were necessarily looking for what's about to happen to happen, but the thing we're going to find out is that they were ready for any sort of encounter that God brought their way. But anyway, they're on their way to church, and they're walking into the temple, and there's this guy there who's been crippled since he was born, cannot walk, has to be carried to, um, to, the, to the doors of the church, and he sits there every day, and he asks good uh, church-going people for money because you would think that they would give him money, right? So he's sitting there, and he's begging. Now, you're going to get this idea um, if, if we continue to read, but he's, it's kind of like he's just kind of like holding out his hand or whatever he's got, and he's just asking anybody. He's not like trying to, because people are just walking in. It's very busy. He's not making any sort of certain eye contact with anybody. He's just asking anybody to give him money. And Peter and John do something very interesting. They do this. And fixing his eyes on him with John, so looking directly at the crippled guy, Peter says this. He says, look at us. He says, put your attention right here. Look at us. So the crippled man gave them his attention. So he stops looking around for trying to get whatever he can, and he just looks right at them. And, and it, expecting, like it says, to receive something from them. Okay, so someone's going to give him some money. And verse 6 says this. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. I don't have any money to give you. But what I do have, I will give you. 
In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. We'll get into the rest of what happens here in a second. But just for a minute, let's pause and think about that. And this is the first thing. There's, uh, we're going to see three things that you can do, graduates and anyone else who's here, three things you can do to live out the gospel in your life. Now, just a disclaimer. I'm not going to guarantee that you will ever be able to heal somebody or do some of the miracles that the apostles and Jesus did. I, that, I can't guarantee that's going to happen. But if you live the gospel out and you um, sow the seed of the gospel in someone's life and you um, help make Jesus real to them and show them the love of Christ, there's every potential that their life could change from um, an enemy of God to a son or daughter of God. And in the Bible, they call it being dead and being made alive. Now, I don't know about you, but that is, in my book, a miracle. It might be a spiritual miracle, but it is a powerful miracle nonetheless. And you and I have the same opportunity and capabilities of helping that miracle take place by simply giving people Jesus, what they need the most. And that's the first thing we can do, is we can need to be ready to give someone the gospel. Be ready to give the people around us Christ. He needed money. The beggar needed money. The, the crippled man needed money. Absolutely. Peter and John didn't have that to provide for him. They couldn't meet his physical need, but they could meet his greater need. And graduates, as you go on to school or to your career or, or whatever, if you haven't decided yet, I don't know exactly where you all are, but if you, as you go and, and, and find your path and find your way, if you are open to finding what people really need, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, then you are starting to live uh, the gospel. You are starting to engage in gospel living. So that's what we need to do. We need to understand what people really need, that they need Jesus, and we need to figure out how we can give them the gospel of Christ. So look what happened after this man got Jesus, after he had an encounter with Christ. Uh, Peter says, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. Peter grabbed the guy by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately... Luke, who's writing this, Luke's the author, he's a doctor, so he's very interested in, in all of this uh, anatomy part. Immediately, the feet and ankle bones received strength. Now, just in case nobody believed what happened or it was just a good story, listen else what look at what else happened. In verse 8, so he, that's the crippled guy, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. He had never walked before his entire life. From birth, he was lame. And once he had an encounter with Christ, because Peter uses the full name of Jesus in full faith, believing that Jesus will do a miracle for this man, and it happened, and this man had an encounter with Christ, and he got up, and he doesn't just get up and start to try to walk. He is jumping and dancing around. He's going crazy. He is drawing attention to himself. He's doing something he never experienced before because someone was willing to share Jesus with him. So that leads us to the next thing, though, and look at uh, verse 11 and 12. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, so he's holding on to them. He won't let them go. He's walking with them. He's not because he has been so profoundly changed by Jesus that he can't not be part of Peter and John. He's doing that. All the people ran together to them 
on the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So he's making this big scene, and everybody who's at the temple that day and who starts to notice that this guy, the guy who's been at the door begging for how many years? Um, every, day, every, every, time, um, every time people are there, he's there begging for money. That same guy is now up. He's walking. He's shouting. He's dancing. He's holding on to these two guys. He's making a huge scene, and everybody runs in to see what's going on. And look at what Peter does. Verse 12, so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. He says, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? And now the rest of the chapter he devotes to basically a sermon. Uh, We won't read all of that. But this is the second thing that we can do to live the gospel. First, we have to remember we have to be willing to give the gospel to someone, to be willing to share what Jesus has done for us with other people. And the second thing is we need to, just like Peter does here, we need to follow the opportunities that the Spirit provides. So Peter and John, through the power of Christ, not in anything of themselves, um, performed a miracle on this man and he was healed, right? So Jesus healed this man. And then the Spirit brings about this greater opportunity for Peter and John to share the gospel to even more people. If you and I are saturated in the word of God and we are convinced that we need to be living the gospel and we need to be ready to share Jesus with anybody who needs it, God is going to honor that. And he's not just going to bring one person to you. He's going to bring people to you. I don't mean they're going to like, like everyone's going to flock right to you and then you've got to stand up and give a sermon. What I mean is God's going to keep bringing opportunities your way. He does that. He does that so many times. And I'm sure there are plenty of people in this room right now who could... Uh, share their experiences about how that's true. How they were faithful to share one time, and then they started noticing more and more God bringing people who needed to hear the gospel to them. Because God loves to use servants who love to work. (laughs) And that's what he's asking us to do. Follow the opportunities that the Spirit provides. And uh, what we find out um, is that after Peter's done speaking to all these people uh, that, that came because they were interested in what was happening to this uh, man who had been healed, we find out that thousands made a commitment to Jesus that day. And the church is a little kind of a baby church right now, and now it's starting to grow. And, and, and there was like 5,000 people a couple of chapters ago when Peter again had this huge sermon, and now there's, there's thousands more added uh, because the gospel is so powerful. It has the power to change lives. Okay, so that, that's the second thing. That's the second thing we need to do to engage in gospel living. The first is to give the gospel to someone in need. Just be willing to share. You don't have to do a three-point sermon. You don't have to have something rehearsed. You can just share what Christ has done for you in what you say or what you do. But be willing to do that. And then follow the opportunities that the Spirit brings. Start to recognize where God would have you share more with more people. And then here's the third thing. So... They've made this big scene. The crowds are there. The guy is healed. Um, Peter and John are preaching the gospel. And then problems start to happen. Uh, This is verse 4, chapter 1. Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees, so the religious people of the day, God's leaders of the day, right, came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Right? Their issue was with that they were teaching that Jesus was the fulfillment of the scriptures and that he had rose uh, from the dead and that he was God's son. They had a problem with that. 
So they laid hands on Peter and John and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Oh, and then in verse 4 we see, however, uh, however, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. So because Peter and John had been faithful, God honored that faithfulness, and God saved many souls that day. But anyway, so then Peter and John get put into custody by the people who want to shut them up, and you might come across that in your life. It looks a little bit different today than it did back then, but it's still true. People don't like to hear that Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is the gospel, that we need to put our faith in him. And in our culture of everything's okay, it's whatever's true for you, do that. It's especially uh, offensive when someone would dare to say, actually, Jesus is the only way. Actually, there's only one gospel. Actually, there's only one ancient book of writings that counts as absolute truth. And that's not easy to hear for a lot of people today. So you may, as you are saturating your mind in God's word and living out the gospel, you may come across some adversity to the gospel. But I just want to real quickly look at what Peter and John did, and not what they did, but what Jesus did um, in that situation. Okay, so they're in custody right now. And, and, and they're trying to figure out what to do. They, the, the, the leaders, the Sadducees and the priests and the, and the captain of the temple, and they're trying to figure out, we need to stop this, we need to shut this up, and, uh, and, but we have a problem because there are so many people who are praising God right now, and not just that, there was a man who for 40 years, we've seen him every day, for 40 years couldn't walk since he was born, and now he's not just walking, he's leaping and jumping and shouting and praising, and he's not going to be shut up. So we have a problem because we might have a riot on our hands, and then Rome's going to come, and we could be in really big trouble. And not only that, but if this message of Jesus gets out, then we could be in even bigger trouble. So, uh, verse 18 of chapter 4. So they called Peter and John, because, you know, they probably would have just liked to get rid of these guys, but they couldn't because all those people had seen what Peter and John had done, and they didn't want to incite the crowd into a riot. So they called Peter and John and commanded them not to speak, this is verse 18, at all, nor teach the name of Jesus. Basically, they said, shut up. And again, you might experience that in your life as you share the gospel. You probably will experience it. You might experience it from someone who's nicer than that, or you might experience it from someone who is uh, a lot less nice than that. But sharing the gospel might bring adversity in your life. So here's Peter and John's answer. And they answered the, the chief priests, and they said, listen, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. Basically, uh, you tell us, since you are the religious leaders, should we do what you say or should we do what God says? Obviously, the answer would be do what God says, right? And then they say this, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now, this takes an incredible amount of courage and if you're not saturated in the word of God, if your roots aren't uh, grown deep into his truth, you might not be able to have this great courage to stand up to somebody and say, I'm not going to stop saying this. I'm not going to stop sharing the gospel. I'm not going to stop living the gospel. So see, that's why you need both. That's why you have to saturate yourself in the word of God. And that's why you also have to share it. Because the deeper you're rooted in Christ and his truth, then the bolder for his gospel you will be. So that's why there's those two parts. So they say, we're not going to stop talking about it. Well, then they finally realize, the chief priest, they finally realize, we 
can't, um, we can't do anything to them um, for fear of a riot. So they said, again, shut up, and then they sent them on their way. Now, it doesn't always turn out so easy for the apostles that way. Sometimes they get thrown in jail. Sometimes they are beaten. Sometimes they are stoned, um, killed in some cases. Um, but something that they always do is they always say, we're not going to stop. And, they're going, and this is the third thing to do to live the gospel out. They're going to trust God to handle the situation. Their trust in God is so secure that they don't fear anything that these men could have done to them. That is a courage that I wish I knew, that I hope to continue to learn. I mean, that is powerful, so powerful that it changed, it literally changed the world that these guys lived in. Changed the world. They went up against governments, they went up against um, uh, cultural religion, they went up against all these deep-seated things, and they simply spoke the truth, lived the gospel out, no matter what, compromised nowhere on the essentials, and they changed their world. And graduates, you guys have that same opportunity. And everybody else, we have that same opportunity too. We need to be willing to share the gospel. We need to follow the opportunities that the Spirit gives us to share the gospel. And we need to trust God to handle the situation and simply be faithful. And the best way you can do that is to start out by saturating yourself in the word of God, getting your sponge wet in his word so it's soaked, and when it pulls out and you start to clean things, the water just gets everywhere. The gospel just goes everywhere. Don't hold it in. Don't keep it here. Share it with others. It's two parts, and that's what God wants you to do. And no matter your career, no matter where you live, no matter who you marry, no matter what church you end up going to, then you will be honoring him. And just like these guys, you can impact the world in a way that is unbelievable to everyone else. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And I thank you again for these graduates and the hard work they've put in to get to this point in their lives. Father, as they decide what to do with these next steps, I pray, Lord, you would be intimately um, close to them, that you would be guiding them, that they would be, first of all, seeking your wisdom, Lord, and that you would be showing them the path to take. Lord, whatever they end up choosing, show them how to um, grow their roots deep in your word and share your gospel with others, to live the gospel and to know your truth. Father, I pray that they would, um, they would um, be powerful tools that impact this world, our society, and the world around us for the gospel, Lord. I thank you and we love you in your name. Amen. Well, they had Christ. If you don't have Christ, will you come to Christ? Will you say, Lord, I am a sinner. I need to be saved. I acknowledge my sin. I believe that you died on the cross to save me, to pay the penalty for sin that I deserve. Would you come to him as we stand together and as we sing, into my heart, into my heart, Lord Jesus. Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay, come
Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for giving us this opportunity to express our thanks and our gratitude to you. We have so much to be thankful for. We thank you for our health. We thank you for our strength. We thank you for all the blessings that we have been able to number this past week and the ones that we anticipate that you will shower upon us this coming week. Lord, help us to focus on your goodness and your grace. And we ask this in Jesus' most precious and holy name. And then, Lord, we thank you for the refreshments that we're about to have for the graduates. We pray for each of them. We continue to look to you for guidance in their lives. And may they have a rich and rewarding experience living for you, loving you and honoring you in all that they do. In Jesus' name, amen.